Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about the subject of spiritual warfare. Today's program is a continuation of the previous program where I was talking about the devil and the fact that I believe that we were a temptation for the devil a temptation in the sense that we provided him with a temptation that he could potentially be like God. The way that our God related to us was on the basis of belief and trust, that he expected us to believe him, to trust in him, and when we believed him, we exercised a form of worship towards him. He wanted us to participate with him in the creation that he had made, He had asked Adam to name the animals, for example. He provided them with a garden to take care of. And so I believe that we have a lot that we can refer to in order to see that our God wanted us to be participants and to worship him through our belief in him and to be a part of his life as he would be a part of our lives. I believe that we were a temptation for the devil because the devil was able to use the law The Lord gave the law that if we ate from the wrong tree, then in that day we would die. It was the law that empowered the devil, gave him the ability to kill us so that he could steal us. But because he could not use us in the way that God was able to use us, he ended up destroying us. But in the midst of that, I believe that we were a temptation for the devil in the sense that we were able to believe him. We were able to trust him. He told Eve, for example, that God lied to her. And so when Eve believed the devil, he was now able to be like God. When they participated in the things that he invited them to participate in, that was a form of mutual participation in this rebellious attitude, in this rebellious act, in this creation of a new way of life. There is an element of creation here that I want you to see that the devil can have the ability to create in a certain sense. He cannot create in the same way that God can, but he can be creative in the sense that he came up with a lie and he came up with a new way of life on the basis of what is good and evil. That if you know what is good and evil, then you can live according to that which is good and not do that which is evil, and then you can be like God. And so this is what I was explaining in the previous program, and I read through a couple of passages in the previous program in Isaiah chapter 14, and also in the program before that, Ezekiel chapter 28. In this program, I'd like to start with Job. The book of Job has a lot to say about Satan's involvement in our lives. I would definitely like to encourage you to read the entire book if you haven't done it yet, If you haven't done it recently, read through it again to get a good idea about what took place there. And I believe that the Lord can give you some insights concerning the conflict that you are in and can give you a better understanding with regards to what may be going on in your own personal life. 
So I'm going to begin in Job chapter 1, Job chapter 1, verse 6, where it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Now think about this for a minute. Here we have the testimony of the Lord in the book of Job. And it almost sounds like they're friends, doesn't it? I mean, you've got the sons of God showing up to present themselves before the Lord. This is probably happening in heaven, in the kingdom. We don't know what the event is, but the sons of God are there. Now, imagine, what would you think if you were there? If you're a son of God, you're in the kingdom of heaven, you already lived your life here on earth, you died, you're in heaven, you have a new place, you have new things to do, you have a new life to live, And in the midst of your busy life, which I'm sure you're enjoying a lot, you go at an appointed time to go and present yourself before the Lord. Maybe have a little conversation with him, tell him about the things you're doing. Maybe you've got some questions for him. He's available. He can talk with you. You go there. You show up. And while you're there with some other brothers and sisters, Satan walks in. He just walks in. He just strolls in. He shows up. Takes a look around. I mean, what are you going to think? I personally would probably feel a little nervous. I mean, thinking about who he, who he is and what he's been doing and how much I had to deal with him when I was here on Earth, for example, I would be a little concerned. I'd be wondering, so uh, what are you doing here? Uh, you got some business here? You know, and the Lord speaks to him, talks with him. Like, so uh, what you been doing? What's going on with you? And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Where'd you come from? What you been doing? Right. I mean, if I was there and I watched the living God ask the devil, so where you been? What you been doing? I would just be very uh, attentive. I I would be very concerned and I would be attentive and I'd be wondering what's going on. This, I believe, is a true testimony of a true circumstance. And I have reason to believe that this probably still occurs every once in a while, that they might still have these kinds of conversations. What does the devil say? What is he going to say? Is he going to give him a complete report? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. He's just kind of checking things out. He's walking around. He's doing things. Have you considered my servant Job? This is verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, One who fears God and shuns evil. So, can you get a feel for what's going on here? It's like the Lord says to the devil, So, buddy, remember, remember, we're buddies, right? I mean, we were, we were tight, right? We were close. We were friends once. So, where you been, huh? Well, I've been down on the earth. What you been doing? I've just been walking around, just checking things out. Yeah, and so when you're down there, did you, uh, did you notice Job? You know, my, my servant Job, and by the way, he fears me, doesn't he? Huh? Right? You're down there because all these people fear you, and they worship you because of all the destruction that you caused, right? Because you, you're you the one who got everybody to believe you instead of believing me. You're the one who gave them this satanic lie that they can live according to the knowledge of good and evil, and we've been watching to see how that plays out. But in the midst of that, did you notice that there's a guy down there who likes me? Have, have you noticed that? And so the devil says, well, yeah, but, well, let's see what he says. 
continuing into verse 9, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? It's a way of saying, Does he fear you for nothing? I mean, do you really think you're impressive, God? God, you think that you're it, right? You think that you're so good. You think that you're so awesome. You think that you're the only one, but he doesn't fear you for nothing. You know, there's there's a reason for this. It's not like he he fears you because of who you are. It's it's not that he fears you because he wants to. Have you not made a hedge around him? This is verse 10, Job chapter 1 verse 10. Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So the devil challenged him, Satan, challenged him and said, Well, listen, God, you think you've got somebody? The only reason why he likes you is because of what you do for him. That's why he likes you. He doesn't like you because of who you are. He likes you because you give him all this stuff, because you've blessed him so much, because you keep me from getting at him. But I tell you what, you let me get to him, and you let me take away all these things that he thinks that you gave him, that you gave him, that you certainly participated in. If I take it all away, he's not going to like you anymore. Because you know what, God? He's only one of yours... Because of the stuff, because of the stuff that he has. Doesn't this sound familiar? It sounds familiar to me because I know a number of people who, in my opinion, are Christians only because of the stuff they think they're going to get from God. They don't really care about the Lord. They don't really want to know him. All they want is his stuff. You know, the God who owns all these cattle on a hill, he owns a thousand cattle on a hill. They want one of his cows, right? You know, there are a lot of people who really are like that. I don't think Satan is saying something that's completely out of line. So this is a challenge. The Lord says, okay, I'll tell you what, Satan, you go ahead and you show me that you're right. And you know what? After the devil was done, there came a point when Job questioned the Lord, didn't quite curse him, but came pretty close in my opinion. I think he came close to that which in a way shows that maybe the devil was right. You know, in some ways, maybe Satan was right. Maybe he didn't lie when he was talking with God. Maybe there was some truth to that. And you know what? There are people in the world, as I mentioned, who are like that. So don't be surprised when life gets hard, when life gets difficult for people, and they turn against the Lord because they were not with him for the right reasons to begin with. I wanted to read this to show you a few things. I wanted you to see the personal interaction that took place between God and Satan. The personal interaction. And I want you to see that he was willing to step aside and allow the devil to engage with someone in the world. And he caused a tremendous amount of death and destruction as a result of this. For what? To make a point? No, I believe it's more than that. More than just to make a point. I believe that this really describes the nature of the war in a big way. That the devil, Satan, he he really believes that he is better than God. He really believes that God is not as awesome as God suggests that he is. 
And in the midst of this, I also want you to see the personal interaction between the two. Now, if this kind of interaction is still taking place, I don't know that it is. I think that it is. But if it's still taking place, I want you to understand that it's not going to go on forever. The devil might perhaps think that it will, but I don't think so. I really believe that the day will come when he will end up in Sheol. He will end up there in the place where there will be no escape and that that will be relocated just as the paradise part of Sheol was relocated to the kingdom of heaven. It's my belief that one day the bad part of Sheol where the demons are locked up will eventually be relocated to a place that I believe is referred to as the lake of fire. But this is just my personal opinion concerning my beliefs of what things will look like in the future. I will certainly wait to see how those things unfold and not say that this is absolutely the way it is going to occur. Now, when the devil goes, all of this destruction takes place. i got to ask you, is this God's fault? Is it God's fault? Is it the Lord's fault that all of this pain and suffering occurred? I will say no. I will say it is not his fault. He might have opened the hedges of protection a bit, but that doesn't mean that it's his fault. It's the devil's fault. It's Satan's fault. He was the one who went in and caused this kind of destruction. Through his own influence and his own power, he got other people to participate because he had influence over them. But the point is, is that you cannot blame God for this. This is not his fault. Just because he removes himself or removes the hedges of protection that he provided doesn't mean that he is now at fault. It just simply goes to show that he is willing to allow people to be free. He is willing to allow things to unfold, for things to take place. For what? So that a greater thing can be accomplished. Even though we may not approve of the things that follow, that doesn't mean that they're wrong. Do not pass judgment on God and say that he has sinned or that he has violated someone because of his activity or inactivity. You have to trust that he knows what he's doing and that he will do something that is good. In this case, I will emphasize the point, again, that the devil was the one who intervened. The Lord simply allowed it to occur, but the Lord used it for a purpose. He used it for a purpose that he was able to accomplish greater things with it. That's an important thing to recognize, is that when pain and suffering occurs in our lives, in many cases, doesn't mean that the Lord has to, but in many cases I personally have found that the Lord has been able to use those things, those terrible circumstances, which he did not cause. Someone else caused them, myself or maybe a demon or somebody else in my life, but he has used those things in a way that greater things have come from those things. And because of that, I have a lot more patience with my God when I experience tribulation in my life. In many cases, I can now look at those situations from the point of view of living in the expectation of what God will be able to do with something that was so terrible, something that was so disastrous. Consider the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he put in the garden. He didn't make Adam and Eve eat from that tree. That wasn't his fault. You can't say that it's his fault that they ate from that tree because if he wouldn't have put that tree there to begin with, then they wouldn't have eaten from it. Yeah, well, 
Well, that might be true to an extent. I, I can understand that if it wasn't there, then it would never have happened. But it was there, which demonstrates that they had the ability to make a choice. They had the ability to be a free person, to see things for themselves. That's what they had, and they chose against God. They made a decision against him. That was their fault, not his. He may have made the tree, but they're the ones who did that. Now, understand, we're just talking about a tree. We're just talking about a piece of fruit. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not that significant. It's just a tree. All right? That's not the point. The point is, is that they did not believe him. That was the issue. Not that they took a piece of fruit. It was because they ate from the wrong tree because they believed the lie and they rejected the truth of God. So in the midst of terrible circumstances, and you know, I did a series of programs on the subject of suffering, which I would really like to encourage you to listen to. I really do believe it's worth listening to. Of course, I have a biased opinion, but it is relevant to this subject, the subject of sufferings. In the midst of these sufferings, the Lord has been able to make use of the devil. He's not the cause, but he can take something and make something else out of it. He can use the destructive acts of the devil for his benefit later on. Let me give you a very simple example. There are things about the Lord that the devil could have never known. Could the devil have ever known the patience of God, the acceptance of God, the love of God? How about this one? Could the devil have ever known the forgiveness of God? He was made perfect. He had never sinned. How can he relate to the forgiveness of God? How could he relate to the acceptance of God? What he saw was that he was accepted because he was perfect, because he was so beautiful. Really? Is, is that the kind of acceptance that you want? Do you want the Lord to accept you because you're perfect? Do you want him to accept you because you're so beautiful? Is, is that really what you want? No, you don't want that. You really want him to accept you because of him, not because of you. Because you want to know him for who he is, not because of who you are. What happens if you do something that is imperfect? What happens if you violate him in some way like the devil did? The devil believed something that wasn't true. He sinned. He became imperfect. Under those conditions, under those circumstances, he would no longer have the love and acceptance of God because the criteria of his perfection has been disturbed. What about beauty? You know, here on this earth, beauty only lasts so long. We get old. We don't normally look as good as we did when we were younger. Things change. What happens over time? We lose what we once had. And if people related to us because we were beautiful and they liked us because we were beautiful and we're no longer beautiful, then why should they like us? That's what I mean, is that the devil could not relate to forgiveness. He never experienced the forgiveness of God. He never experienced the true acceptance of God because of who he is, because that is within his nature, because that is within his being, for no reason, for no criteria that we can establish on our own. He loves us because he's loving, and we can enjoy that because we know that there is no reason why he has to. There is no reason why he should. We enjoy it because it is him. 
We don't enjoy it because he owes us for some reason. This is something that the angels could have never known, could have never looked into, could have never appreciated, could have never understood, and never will. But because of the behavior of Satan, because of the destruction that he has caused, we can now have a relationship with our God that the devil could have never experienced and never will, that no demon ever could or ever will, and no angel ever could or ever will. We know the love of God. We know the forgiveness of God. We know the patience of God. And we know the acceptance of God. Those of us who have turned to him according to the new covenant, we know him in a way that no one else ever knew him, that no one else could have known him, and no one else will ever know him. In this way, Satan has been a minister He may have been and is being very destructive, but the Lord is still using his destruction in order to create. And what he has created in the new creation in Christ is a person who can know the heart of God, who can experience the heart of God, who can enjoy the heart of God, who can have a relationship with him that is much greater than the relationship that Adam and Eve could have had with him. He makes something greater. He creates something greater out of the destruction that Satan causes. So I want you to see this war, not just from the point of view of a conflict, but I want you to see that in the midst of this conflict and in the midst of the things that the devil does not understand, He does not understand these things. He cannot relate to these things. He never will know these things, not like you know them. If you know the new covenant and the grace of God, you know more things than the devil does, even though he could walk right into the Lord's presence and have a conversation with him like this. You know him in a way that Satan will never know him. So in the midst of the war, in the midst of the conflict and the confrontation, Satan has no idea how badly he's lost. And he will never know. He will never understand how badly he's lost. And he will never know how much God has created through the devil's decision to deceive Adam and Eve from the beginning, to encourage people to try to live according to the law. He will never know what that is. He will continue to function as he functions walking to and fro, taking a look around, getting involved in people's lives as he can, in whatever way he can, to try to be like God. But there is a limitation, a huge limitation that he has that he will never be able to even recognize. He will never recognize this. So if you ever have the attitude towards him, an attitude such as, Satan, why are you doing this? I mean, what do you... What are you continuing to do this for? Why are you still, why are you still here? You know, why are you still part of our lives? It's because he doesn't know any better. All right? He doesn't know any better and he won't know any better. He's doing all that he knows as far as he can go. And he simply will never be able to relate to the Lord as you can. He will never see things as you can see things. Now, I'm not saying that to try to encourage you to have mercy on him at all. I just want to say this so that you understand that the Lord is still making use of him and that he is a minister in this sense. Yes, he causes destruction. 
Yes, he has caused suffering, but the Lord has been able to make use of what he did. Not what the Lord did, but he has been able to make use of what the devil has done. For example, consider Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect, through sufferings. But who caused the sufferings? It wasn't God. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't us. It was the devil who instituted this, who invoked this. And of course, he used people to participate in this as they get to participate in the work of the devil. But we get to participate in the work of God. He may be trying to be like God, but he will never be God We know the real God and we know the real work and the real participation that we have the privilege of being a part of in the life that we get to live. But when you see sufferings, if you understand where blame is properly placed and you understand how the Lord will make use of these things, you can walk through them, you can live through them, and you can continue to be a part of this war, a part of this battle in the midst of them, trusting your God, believing your God and knowing that his creative capacity is beyond compare and it is something to live in anticipation for. Instead of sitting around asking him why, you should be standing up, leaping for joy, saying, I look forward to seeing what you will do with this. Now, in the next program, I'm going to talk about the nature of war the nature of the war. To understand the nature of the war, you need to know what the fight is and what the fight is over. And I will explain this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net